I want to talk to you this morning about, about being invested, about being invested. I, I think so often we, we think about when it comes to terms like investment or investing, uh, we think about stock markets or we think about financial stuff, right, so that we're investing in stuff. But I think that the reality is, is that we have to understand that we all invest in something. All of us invest in something, every single one of us. There's not a f- person on the f- face of the planet that doesn't invest into something. Some of you have got teenagers and they invest into their PlayStation. Hours and hours and hours. And then when you call them to come for dinner, they say things like, I can't, I can't come right now. I'm in the middle of a game. Right? Anybody got teenagers like that? They're more invested in their PlayStation game than they are in feeding their stomach, right? They're more invested. You've just invested all of your time and energy into making this beautiful meal for them that they are going to allow to go cold and reheat in the microwave if you let them continue to play. They're choosing their PlayStation investment over your investment that you made in your cooking. Can I get mums, give me an amen on that one? You know what you, know what you do? Just, just go and turn it off. That's, that's what I would do. Uh, just turn it off. And, and then they have to come for dinner, yeah? You're all really quiet today. Don't go quiet on me. Talk to me because we all invest in something. You usually invest into the things that you believe in. No one really puts time and energy or investment into stuff that you don't believe in. You're not going to waste your time and energy on a relationship that you don't believe in, right? You know, my, um, my Maddie is uh, only about 59 days away from getting married. And Anna, yep. But Anna and Andre are only like less than two weeks now from getting married. How many people know that you invest a lot into a wedding, right? Yes? And, and you want to make sure that that investment is worthwhile. I don't think, I, I haven't checked in with Anna today, but I'm pretty sure, Andre, she still thinks you're worth the investment. I, I will ask her afterwards, but I'm pretty sure, she's, but you, you invest in something you believe in. Th- th- these girls are not going to invest their time into their partners and want to be married to them if they don't believe in them, yes? If they don't believe in what they've got. We invest in what we believe in. We invest in what we're passionate about. Some of us are passionate about fishing, and we invest all sorts of money into reels and rods. Some of us are passionate about coffee. I would have thought I would have got a couple of amens on that. Because if, if we get an amen on the next thing I'm going to say, I'm going to be really disappointed with all you coffee drinkers. Some of us invest painstaking time waiting for our tea to brew. We all invest in something. We invest in what we're passionate about. We invest into our children. We invest in the stuff. And here's the thing. The reason why it's important about what we invest in is because your heart always follows your investment. The Bible puts it this way. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where you invest your time, your energy, your love, your care, and your finances as well, but I'm not really talking about that today. I'm talking about you investing yourself. Our heart follows our investment. It's, it's not hard, although our children might give us grief from time to time as they grow up. It's not hard to put our investment into our children because our heart is with our children. Our heart follows where we invest. We invest in friendships, yeah? 
We invest in relationships. We invest in education. You know, like, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in education, but it, it's, it's crazy, like, some of the time that is invested of a lifetime in education, right? Huge amount of investment that people make because we're all invested in something. There's always an investment in something. The problem is this. I've talked about some great investments that you could make around relationships and friendships and stuff like that, but here's, here's the biggest problem with, with most of us, including myself, is that we put a lot of investment into the wrong things. We invest in things that don't last. We invest in things that don't really matter. Most of us, although we have things that are good things to invest in, most of us have a whole lot of things in our lives that we invest in that actually don't really matter in the big scheme of things, you know, like people that have Lego addictions, especially around Christmas Lego. I, I don't know who that might be here right now today. I'm not mentioning any names uh, my, my beautiful wife loves investing into Lego at Christmas time. But let's be, re let's be honest, as long as it, it's cool and it entertains you and, and allows me to go and play golf, <laughs> it's really not that important, right, in the big scheme of things, just like golf isn't really important in the big scheme of things. And, and we invest a lot of our time into things that don't really matter. And Jesus warned us about this. Jesus said to us to invest, don't invest into things that don't last, but instead pour your treasures into things that will impact eternity. He puts it this way in Matthew 6 verse 19, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in. And he said, don't, don't store up stuff that doesn't matter here on earth. Don't store up those things. Like, I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with owning a house or owning a car or going on trips overseas or anything like that. But what he's saying is don't, don't, don't make these things really, really important. Don't store up those things like that's the be-all and end-all of your life. Don't store up that stuff because things like cars and houses, moths and rust, moths and rust, end up decaying it. And how many people know that you can buy a nice car and five years later, especially if you've got young children, it's not so nice anymore. It's not worth anything near what you paid for it. Why? Because rust and everything, it decays in time and, and, and there's nothing wrong with owning a nice car and there's nothing wrong with owning a car. But what Jesus is warning us about is don't store those things up. Don't make those things the things that you store up in your life to kind of say, hey, this, my life is significant. Look what I have stored up. Look what I have done. He, does, he says, don't store up. Or in other words, don't hoard what you have. Don't, don't, see, when you store up for yourself, the key thing is, is the word yourself. It's for you. It's not for anyone else. It's hoarding it to yourself. It's keeping it for yourself. It's making sure that I'm looked after at the detriment of everybody else. Don't store up for your things treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Why? Why is he saying that we shouldn't store those things up? Because if I can get one thing through to you and one thing only this morning, it's this. 
God did not create us to store, but God created us to pour. God did not create us to store up for ourselves, but He created us to pour out for others. Are you hearing me this morning? Our God has created us to pour out, to be a blessing to others, instead of storing up for ourselves. And Jesus showed us the way because He invested into us. He invested into us. In fact, um, if, if we pretend that this cup is our lives, the Bible says that Jesus came and poured into our lives. He invested into us and He poured into us so that we would have all of who we are. If you don't believe me, look at this. Matthew 26, 28 says, this is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2.17 says, I will pour out my spirit. Acts 10.45 says, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Romans 5.5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts. Jesus has been invested. God invested the life of his son and poured out the life of his son so that we could be filled with the fullness of God. God poured into us, and God expects us to pour out into those that are around us. He expects us to follow the example of his life and not store it and hoard it to ourselves, but make sure that we are people that are pouring out rather than storing up. God invested his son, and he poured him out. Why? Because God is passionate about you, and where your investment is, your heart follows. He didn't send his son begrudgingly because his heart followed the sending of his son. God is always pouring into our lives. He's pouring in his love. He's pouring in his grace. He's pouring in his mercy, his power, his forgiveness. It never stops. God never stops pouring into your life. Oh, well, I'm away from God. Oh, I don't believe in God. Well, that's cool. You don't, you don't, um, you don't need to believe in God for him to still pour into your life. You, you, it's impossible for people to love without God pouring into their lives. And I'll tell you why. Because God is love. Love isn't a feeling. Love isn't an action. Love isn't something that you wake up in the morning. God is love. And so for you to have the ability to love other people, whether you believe in God or not, there's an element that God has poured into your life because it's impossible to love without God because God is love. And if you like, oh, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, that's cool because God doesn't believe in atheists. He believes in you, and He'll pour into your life if you'll let Him. He'll pour in and pour in and pour in. It never stops. God never walks away from us. God never abandons us. The Bible says He never leaves us nor forsakes us. In fact, this morning in the prayer meeting, it was that Scripture that says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even, even if you don't want Him, even if you despise Him, even if you sin, fall over, it doesn't stop God loving you. Just like when your kids do something that you, you, you feel like strangling them to death over, it doesn't stop you loving them. It might make you disappointed with them at times, but it doesn't stop you loving them. And nothing stops God pouring into our lives, but God gives us more than enough, not just for ourselves, because He doesn't want us to store, but He's been poured out in our lives so that we can be a blessing to others. God is a good God. God is a really good God. 
and he pours into us, but we're created to pour also and not to store. All the stuff that God has poured, if if you've been a Christian for a long, long time, and God has poured so much into your life, but you're not pouring out, here's the problem. Stagnant water ends up with disease. There's nothing worse than a 30-year-old, 30-year Christian who's stagnant. Because a 30-year Christian who becomes stagnant becomes critical, becomes negative, points out all the things that the church is doing wrong, rather than pointing out all the things that the church does right. Things like Tear Fund, World Vision, which feed people all over the world, that's the church. See, when you get stale, disease starts to kick in. When you get stagnant, disease starts to kick in. The only way a river stays pure is that it has to flow over the rocks. You have to pour out for you not to become stagnant. The Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because there's pouring in, but there's no pouring out. There's no exit point in the Dead Sea. It has fresh water going into it, but there's no exit point, and so it becomes the Dead Sea. And when we're Christians that just store up and hold on to it for ourselves and hold on to and hoard it, and we don't pour out, you become dead. Because God didn't create you to store. He created you to pour. He created you to be a blessing. And there's a great opportunity for you this morning if you're someone who's, I mean, I need to actually start to pour. God has put so much into me. At the back here, after the service, there's a thing called Revive Team, and you can sign up to help in all sorts of areas, be it hosting, making coffee, being a musician, whatever it is, would love you to go, you know what, I want to sign up to something and become someone who starts to pour what God has poured into me. I want to pour that out. You are invested into. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you invested into what God is doing? Are you invested into what God is doing? Because the Scripture teaches us that we we just can't look on. We can't just sit back and watch everybody else do it. The Bible says this, that, that before we are even born, that He has put all the giftings and the callings of God on your life in you for you to use for His kingdom. So what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing? Are you you just keeping it to yourself? Are you just looking on? Because if you're just looking on, can I encourage you this morning that you can't do that because you're, you're the one that God has put that gift into. You're the one that God has put that calling into. And you need to be the one that brings what God has trusted to you, with you, and pour out into the lives around you. God has put that in you because you're the right person for your workmates, for your family, for the people that live around you so that you can pour it out into those around you. God God has not made a mistake. God has not stumbled over himself. What he's put in you is the exact thing that he needs to pour out of you into the lives of those around you. God created you to pour, to be a blessing, not to store. There's an interesting story in, in Luke chapter 9. And it's a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. They were were out in the countryside miles and miles away from anywhere that had any kind of food for for them to be able to purchase. And and so Jesus says to his disciples, hey, hey, 
we need to feed these people. Um, they, They say that it's probably the biggest crowd that Jesus ever preached to or invested his time into, or invested into, um, because in those days, you have to understand when it says the feeding of the 5,000, in those days, um, the way that they recorded things back in ancient time, they're a little bit misogynistic, and so they'd only count the men, because apparently the women and the children don't matter. I'm not sure. It's not me. That's them, okay? Um, And so what they say is there's 5,000 men, which, you know, they say it's a pretty safe bet to estimate by the time that you put women in the mix and children in the mix that it was probably anything from fifteen to 20,000 people that needed to be fed. And, and the only thing that they could find when he sent them out to find food to feed all these hungry people was a little boy with five loaves and two fish. How many people know that um, some of you mums are phenomenal? You can make food stretch, but I'm pretty sure there's not a person in this room that can stretch five loaves and two fish to 20,000 people. If you can, can you please come and talk to me afterwards, because I'd love to see what your budget is for shopping, because I don't know about you, but food is expensive now. And we know the story that if you've been around long enough that, that Jesus prays over it and they hand it out and, and everybody has their full. From these five loaves and these two fish, God does a miracle. Everybody is full to the brim. And the Bible says that there is 12 baskets left over. I mean, not only did he feed everybody, not only did everybody walk away going, oh man, that was a feed and a half, but there was 12 baskets left over. Twelve baskets left over. In other words, he said to his 12 disciples, here's a doggy bag for you, here's a doggy bag for you, here's a doggy bag for you. There's 12, one for each of the disciples. And I've always wondered to myself, why, why 12 baskets left over? Like, I mean, like, I understand, feed everybody, and yeah, have leftovers enough to feed your disciples as well, because they've been, you know, Imagine 12 of you, how long it took you to walk around 20,000 people feeding them, yeah? It's a bit of work, right? They're probably a bit knackered, a bit tired. And so, yeah, certainly make sure there's enough left over for them to have a feed. But 12 basketfuls left over, that seems a little bit silly because I'm pretty sure the disciples didn't eat a basket of food each. But I think that the reason why God had 12 left over is because he wanted the disciples to understand that God is a God of more than enough. That God doesn't just give you what you need, but he gives you more than what you need. It's a reminder of the abundant goodness of God who provides more than enough. Why does he provide more than enough? Because he wants you to pour out, not hoard. You see, when you have a mindset that God isn't more than enough, you hold and consume everything for yourself because you don't think there's more to come. But God always has more to come, and I'm going to need, I'm going to need Rimmer. He, 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 he's, he's my little helper. He's my, my little helper. Um, we, we're probably going to make a little bit of a mess here, but, but you know, we, we can just do it on the table, and we can make a mess on the table. All right? Um, yeah, the intern can clean it up afterwards. 
And so what we, what we tend to think is that God pours into our lives, like I showed you earlier, and that God pours in, and we, and we need to keep hold of that, because if we pour it out, then there's nothing left for us, but God is showing the disciples that in giving out of the stuff that He's a God of more than enough. He, he always has enough, and so what God's intention for you is not to hoard, but to pour, and so God comes along and He pours into your life, and then as He's pouring into your life, it then pours into others' lives, and it keeps going. Your cup is not running out. I mean, this one will eventually because we don't have enough water, but God is, is a fountain that never runs out. And so you're constantly got more than enough coming into you, not just for you, but for those around you. And you start filling up the lives of those around you. Why? Because God is a God that's more than enough. He doesn't just feed those that need to be fed, but He does more than enough through your life, and He continues to pour into you. Oh, we should probably stop before we really make a mess. And that's what God intends you to do. He intends you to let him pour into you so that you have more than enough that pours out of you into everybody else around you. You can't, you can't pour out enough. God pours so much into you, you can't do it fast enough. You can't pour it out fast enough. He will replace everything and more because God is a God that provides more than enough. And if you let him pour through you, there will always be enough left over for you to take home for yourself and your family and everybody else around you. If you will let him pour through you, there will always be more than enough for yourself. I mean, notice the progression in the story. I know we don't have it up on the screen, but the progression of the story is, is that they brought the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. And the Bible says this, that the first thing Jesus did is he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And then God multiplied it. He blessed it. The disciples gave it. And God multiplied it. Jesus blessed it, he poured into it, disciples gave it, they poured out, and then God multiplied it. Are you hearing me? Jesus blessed it, the disciples gave it, and God multiplied it. Why? What you keep is all you'll have, but what you give, God multiplies. What you keep is all you will have, but what you give, God multiplies. What you keep is all you will have. But what you give, God will multiply. See, some of you only have what you have because you haven't poured. And you're like, man, I've been a Christian for a long time and I just don't really feel like I'm really getting anywhere or anything's really happening. In fact, we can all do this. I've done this. If you're like me, you've been in church your whole entire life, 51 years of your life. My parents pastored for 45 years. I was in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, whether I liked it or not, my whole entire life. And you can become so familiar with church. You can become so familiar with God. And what I realized is the reason why God became boring and it all became boring for me is because I wasn't pouring out. I was just taking it all in, hoarding it for myself. You were created to pour, not to store. You were created to be a funnel of blessings. Maddie, can you jump on the keys? Whatever you keep is what you'll have. But whatever you give, God will multiply it. 
and the story of feeding the 5,000. I have a question. When did God multiply the loaves and the fish? You don't, I, I don't expect you to answer, just in case you get it wrong. That would be embarrassing. But when did God, when did Jesus, or when did the multiplication take place? Was it when he blessed it? Was it when he gave it to the disciples? At what stage did it start to multiply in their baskets? Theologians will tell you that it started to multiply as they started to give it out, not when Jesus prayed for it. You see, God did not give them more when they stored it. God multiplied it when they gave it out. Could you imagine walking up to the first family and there's like a couple of broken bits of bread and maybe half a fish in your basket and you're walking up to the first family and, and when they talk about families in the scripture, it wasn't just like mum and dad and kids. It was like uncles, aunties, the whole shooting box. And in Middle Eastern culture, when they say, hey, I want you to come over. Um, there's a guy that I got to know from, from Turkey, and he lives in Turkey now. And he said, if you're ever, if you're ever in Istanbul where I live, I, I want you to come and, and speak to my family about Jesus, which is pretty cool, right? And I said, yeah, then I, one day if I ever get there, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, uh, with Pastor Mark Tobias in Wellington, we'd love to do that. And, and um, you know, we'd love to sit down with your wife and your kids and, and just talk to them about, oh, no, 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 my family. Yeah, 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 wife and your kids. No, no, my family. He's talking about his uncles, his aunties, his cousins, his cousin's cat next door neighbor. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, there'll probably be about 400 of them. Like when they say family, it's family, right? It's not just one or two, you know, like I think, I think on Trinity's side of the family, it's pretty big when all 18 of us get together. But when they say family, they, they mean family. And so when he's walking up with a couple of bits of bread and half a fish up to this family, and he's like, I don't think that's enough. But as he arrives, and as he passes out the first bit of bread, there's another bit of bread. As he hands out the fish, there's another bit of fish. And he just keeps on handing it out and there's more bread, more fish. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. Why? Because the multiplication doesn't happen until it starts to get poured out. It doesn't happen until it starts to be given out. And some of us are like, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to multiply me. I, I know the scripture says, open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there's not enough room to contain it. Well, there's not enough room to contain it because you have to give it away for it to be multiplied so it can't be contained. You can't hoard it for yourself. You can't hoard your gift for yourself. You can't hoard your talents for yourself. You can't hoard your finances for yourself. You can't hoard your love for yourself. You can't hoard your forgiveness uh, uh, to yourself. You've got to pour it out because in pouring it out, the multiplication comes and more forgiveness flows and more love flows and more mercy flows and more grace flows and more goodness of God flows. Why? Because it doesn't multiply when you store it only multiplies when you pour. And generous people realize that it's not all for me, it's for me to give away to others. It's for me to give, you know, in the early church, they used to fast two days a week. In the, in the ancient church, two days a week, they used to fast. 
I'd encourage you to have that as a lifestyle practice rather than a one-off event. But, and you know what they used to do? This is what I would do. If, I mean, I do fast two days a week, but this is what I, I do when God's kind of challenged me on this a little bit. As I fast two days a week and I think, cool, save some money. Yeah, come on. Food's not cheap, right? I'd probably save, you know, fasting two days a week. I, I work it out of my head. It's probably saved us about $80. You know, I don't know. I don't do the shopping, so I'm just making figures up in my head. But you know what the early church used to do? They didn't turn around and say, cool, we saved money that week. You know what they do? The money that they would have spent or the food that they would have brought on those two days, they would go and buy anyway, and then they'd give it away to the poor and the widows and the orphans. Because even in their fasting, they didn't hoard it to themselves. We're going to fast today because that's the thing that God's called us to do. But what we would have eaten, we're going to give away. What a challenge for us, right? The early church was always pouring, always giving. They didn't store, but they poured. And generous people realize it's a joy to make the difference in the life of others. Let me just finish with this scripture. Proverbs 11. 24 to 25, and you've probably heard this before, and you've probably heard it in the context of finances, right? But I want you to hear this in the context of we're not created to store and hoard what we have in Christ, but we're meant to pour it out to those around us. It says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Why? Because the Scripture is trying to show us that as you bless, the multiplication comes. As you help others, your help. It multiplies as you pour. You're not created to store what God is doing in your life. You're created to pour it out into the lives of those around you. And this morning, we want to anoint and pray for anybody that wants to be anointed for and prayed for. You don't have to come up and be anointed, but I want to ask this question. Is there anybody here today that's like, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to be a storer, I want to be a pourer. I want to be somebody that pours out into the lives of those around. I want to be somebody who pours and not stores. Then I'd love, we're going to have a team, the ministry team's going to come shortly, and, and we just want to anoint you of oil. What, what's that all about? It's, Oil is not holy and oil is not special. It's just, it's symbolic of, of Christ coming, of the Holy Spirit coming and sealing upon your, upon your life. It's like, it's like in the Old Testament, they would mark them with oil because they were marked for purpose. They were set apart for a reason. And so we're believing today that as, as we just put a little bit of oil on your forehead and pray for you, that you'll be marked for purpose, that you'll be marked for callings, that you'll be marked for your giftings, that you'll be marked to be somebody who doesn't store, but somebody who pours out everything that God has put within you. And I don't know everybody here, but I know this, God's intention is to multiply your life, is to have abundance in your life, and it doesn't come from storing, but it comes from pouring. And I'd, we would love to pray for you. We would love to lay hands on you. We would love to anoint you. And then I'd love you, after you've been prayed for, to think about, how can I pour my life out? And maybe you can go over to the Revive Team place and you can write in, we need children's workers. We need all sorts. Why? Because the church doesn't exist for those that are here. 
the church exists for those that are out there. And if we're going to reach those out there, we need people that are pourers and not storers. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning in this place?